0: Alright, and thank you again to Frank Daddy for coming on the show. Great interview, hopefully, to see him again. But, considering this is a bonus episode, I'm giving you guys two guests. Actually, I don't even know if I'm going to call you a guest at this point. You're part of the show. It's like you're part of the show, you're an unofficial correspondent, you wrote on our blog. You have a good blog post up there on Larry, Wheels, but Dan Green. I could say him within a positive tone.
1: Oh, that's I didn't even think about that because I wrote that article before everything happened, and if my article wasn't enough to make you think <laughs> differently about how you see Larry Wheels, I'll let you make. I'll let everyone else make their own decisions and their own and and, and form their own opinions on what happened. But I sure as hell have mine, and I'm not gonna talk about him here because yeah. that guy.
0: Not worth anything. Yeah, um, we inadvertently started talking about him with Joe Sullivan, which I was very surprised about. But we we well, ended yeah, up d- no, and he doesn't. And um like we, of course, our our Larry Wheels did something segment got a little bit awkward. But we have mm-hmm. Matt Wallace, one of the proud sons of Two White Lights, on the show to talk about the tribute. As a fan, as a fan, yeah, as yeah. a fan, because we're still it's, both it's, fans it's, of the sport. You d- point. Mm -hmm. absolutely and you're again we we've mentioned it when you're on the show the other two times passionate about the sport you know the sport you're very observant with the sport as well and last week we had joe sullivan on very great interview long interview i couldn't cover the tribute by myself no and we want to do this we want to put spotlights on the great meets because the tribute Mm -hmm. is a great meet who's who a powerlifting's there the roster was fucking stacked great moments great highlights People are still talking about it. Debates are going on. King of the Lifts are doing some really good episodes with um, just different debates that are falling out from that meet. So, we have you on to talk about it. First, very nice to see you.
1: Thank you. Very nice to see you, too, as always.
0: Yes. So, as far as the tribute goes, I asked Frank Daddy this. I'm going to ask you this. What, what are things that stuck out to you as far as, like, highlights or just things that either inspired you or entertained you?
1: Um... Well, the part, part, one part that definitely stuck out to me and I'm sure stuck out to absolutely everybody in the room was not only did someone accidentally turn off the lights in the entire venue once but they did it twice and yeah. I just thought that was funny because it's just a simple mistake and you, you, on the live stream end you see it from a very still camera and mm-hmm. everything kind of stops it was just a funny time Um, obviously we have to talk about Like, everyone else has been talking about history being made in more ways than one, but the obvious one, the 181 class destroying 2K totals this year. Uh, This meet, one in wraps by Cody Blazik Mm -hmm. and one in sleeves by John Hack. Both incredible performances uh, for different reasons. Cody just being an absolute technical machine Mm -hmm. and destroying every attempt that he had, except I think he missed a squat. Or, no, he missed a deadlift, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, and Hack missing his first two squats and coming back after ju- making jumps uh, and hitting it on the uh-huh. third. Well, I, 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 you can't put a more exciting way to start a total at 180. Holy shit. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> the, uh, there's not, I don't think there's a better way to start the fairy, t- fairy tale 2K total at 181 in sleeves. Um, but I think a lot of people are overlooking the fact that though Cody was the first 181 to total 2K, he didn't wraps. John is the second but only 181 to total 2K in sleeves. Mm-hmm. But something else incredible happened at that meet from Cody Blazik, and that's the fact that he won the overall over Andre Milanichev. And according to OpenPowerLifting.com, I may have read it wrong because it gets a little.
0: And, and people are it. are. I, I think a few pages kind of brought up this question, just questioning it, whether or not if it's true or not because it's hard to find this out. Yeah, but what
1: I look at on open powerlifting, it, it, from what I saw, Cody Blazik is the only man to ever beat Andre Milanichev in the overall, um, in a raw or a raw with Raps meet. Andre's only ever gotten first in mm-hmm. Raw and wraps and meets, he's, um, you know, taken second. And even, I think the lowest placing I saw was sixth, but I think that was a deadlift-only meet. Mm-hmm. But all his other losses have only come from single-ply meets. Mm-hmm. So that was a very interesting fact that I think a lot of people overlooked, the fact that Andre Monchev, the biggest total of all time, got beat by Cody Blazik, the first 181 2K total. Yeah. And I think that's a cool fact that more people should pay attention to and obviously, Hack deserves an incredible amount of respect for what he did. Yeah. Cody deserves an incredible amount of respect for what he did. But Cody dethroning a legend in the sport is so cool. Mm-hmm. Because uh, to be completely honest, Cody's only come across my radar in within the past year.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think that's the same way for most. He doesn't really have the biggest social media following. Yeah. But man, is that guy strong and impressive, incredible lifter.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think for me, that would definitely be the highlight. And I think it's most people's highlights right now is the Battle one eighty one. Um and it is it's good that you bought this up because the two K total is impressive in itself, but he also just kinda owned the competition. I I am talking about Blazik, of course. Um dethroning Andre Milenitov is huge. That's a massive, massive accomplishment. And it it's it's it could almost be a recency bias because the what happened most recent was hack and hack and we, we I've even mentioned it with Frank was or Brandon Franklin was that I think hack has got that fan base that he created with the yeah. IPF and USAPL and those those natty boys are they're big there it's a big fan base like when you start off there you create that fan base and then it will grow and they kind of will they will encourage the use of PEDs after you get out of IPF and prove that you're worthy of that natty uh, natty status. And yeah. I think a lot of the popularity that Hack has is deserved. He's fucking legendary. Legendary yeah. at what he did. Um, but, like, it's a recency bias that it's kind of being swept under the rug that the day before there was a two K total raw with wraps and he dethroned a legend too. So and then that's kind of the this debate that we are continuously having in powerlifting is popularity or performance. Because there's a lot of popular guys out there who aren't outperforming people and I use this example um I think two or three times. Or he got more credit I think in US or the IPF worlds than Atwood. And he didn't win. Oh, Atwood. Atwood won best overall, and I think I saw more and or he deserves it. But I think yeah. if you ask like certain power lifters, like who won IPF Worlds? Or he did. Like, no, Atwood did. Atwood won. Atwood
1: also did. One way class just one and, way.
0: Well, one way class, class, but he won, one one one. he won best overall. He won best overall lifter.
1: Yeah. And so. to be to be I mean and, and not to take anything away from Russ, but ta- it's it's very scary that Taylor Atwood is right at or just under a hundred pounds less mm-hmm. than he's winning eighty three kick total yeah. uh, weight class total and that scares the shit out of me, the fact that there's a seventy four out there who is that close to the and and, and, and he's total yeah it drug tested eighty uh one eighty one sleeved uh all time total. So the fact that you have a naturally seventy four kid guy who is just 100 pounds, which may seem like a lot, but going up a weight class and even surpassing the weight class and cutting down to that even mm-hmm. on a two-hour weigh-in, I would not count Taylor Atwood out for an incredible off-season growth, yeah. huge debut at 83 within the next two or three years, yeah. and I think he could give the top 83 guys a big run for his money even his first year out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. But it was just uh, yeah, kind of that that example that I'm using is to shed light on what happened at tribute, because the sport is being so driven by Instagram and you know and YouTube and all that kind of stuff and and fans really, where it's not exactly and I think it will grow to a point where skill kind of surpasses popularity. But it was a, a debate that I don't think we should have been having. Was no, people no, well? No, people commenting on uh, Blazik's posts and saying, "LOL, hacked did this in sleeves." The next day, and yeah. you know, and there was a lot of good responses calling that guy a shithead and a fuckface. And yeah. um, I don't think he meant harm by it, but he was inadvertently being a fuckface.
1: Yeah, and it's usually it's usually the people who don't have near anything to do with powerlifting mm-hmm. that always kind of spew at the mouth with that yeah. kind of bullshit because. And and I I, kind of see powerlifting this way. You're either a fan of actual powerlifting and you just like to powerlift or you're a fan of powerlifting, what it is, the community, the Mm -hmm. the celebrity status that it sometimes Mm -hmm. has online, like you said, with Russ and Hack kind of getting that more attention because they have that weird celebrity, Mm -hmm. Instagram celebrity status. And there's, a, there's kind of a long-running joke about a guy named Sean Doyle who trains with um, Chris Duffin out in Portland, Oregon at Kabuki Strength. And Sean Doyle is not very good at social media. He, last time I checked, had under 10,000 followers. That might be different right now. Uh-huh. But but he has a 2,400-pound total. He's one of the strongest men to ever walk the planet. And they have an inside joke where, it's just, where they just say, who the fuck is Sean Doyle?
0: Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard about that before. Yeah, and I
1: love, I love that because he he's just he's one of those guys who loves powerlifting. He loves to powerlift. He he loves to lift. He doesn't really care about the making money uh with sponsorships or advertisements or just like pop-up mm-hmm. ads like one time here's my money, thank you. Wham bam, thank you ma'am. He's mm-hmm. like I want the biggest total I can possibly make and I I'm, I'm I'm happy to watch guys like him and Cody Blazik
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, for sure, and, well, this is, alright, so I might even take my take back here, because it's annoying to see, and it's because this sport is still very small, so we see everything, and, like, because if you comment on my post, I don't care how many followers I have, I'm gonna see that shit, and I think most yeah. of us do see that stuff, and that's kind of, this is our sports center, this is our media, mm-hmm. like, you know, baseball, like, there's so many different takes and opinions that people have that it gets lost, and it gets thrown by the wayside. But what happens when people comment that kind of stuff, like, LOL, hacked this the next day, could be a good thing for the sport because, like, hey, this is what happens to other athletes in other sports. Yeah, if you, so- and if you don't believe me, go on MLB, the Instagram page, go on any comment section in ESPN, and Javier Baez could hit three fucking home runs but then somebody will debate that he isn't shit, and this player on the Cardinals is better, because Cardinal fans, you know, just project bullshit out of their dumb faces. And they... And then a the fight happens, and then Javier Baez and, like, David DeJong are just sitting there like, we don't give a fuck about any of this. It's like, we know we're amazing at the sport, but it's like... I think powerlifting, to an extent, when you see those comments, like, okay, maybe this is a good thing that is growing in this popularity, where people are developing a alliance with a certain lifter, an alliance with a certain federation, or and the, like their opinions are being swayed by that. Because Hack's got a massive fan base. I mean, Garrett Fear also great meet from him at the tribute. Uh, really good job from him. I think he had PRs across the board.
1: Um. I
0: don't think deadlift. Yeah, deadlift. But, I know I, he he famously shit the bed. Shit the bed. <laughs> Garrett <laughs> shit the bed. He had to say it on the platform. Yep. Um. He, at least he didn't yeah. literally shit himself like he did in the cage, which I didn't know until he told me. But I, I,
1: honestly, I don't think anyone ever knows until you hear someone yeah, say, until, "I shit my pants." Like, yeah, I think we would have all gotten away with it. So, if, but, if,
0: but Garrett, if, but Garrett on the show was you know fanboying over him and uh and he was he admired him. And like we are getting these fan like fans now, and yeah. now I'm seeing like debates that either could be viewed as good or bad. Like uh, my friend Aubrey, uh, you know Aubrey Hogan, shit was yeah. light. Uh, buy one of those shirts on Two White Lights. Shit was, I, shit was I, light. I, shit was light. But uh, he he post on his story too is like if or he would have like or he totals 200 pounds less than Hack, and he does he still gets more hype hype than Hack. Yeah, and it's like well. Alright then, so we got a debate going here. Like, popularity, skill, and then all that kind of stuff. And the, the, those are both great lifters, but um, I do agree with you, though. Untested. High, yeah, tested, untested, then you're going to get the debate there. But it happens yeah. less with Hack and Orhi. Or at least what I see.
1: I, I think that's a fun one because they do come from the same uh, pop of flex. You know, They they come from the same training background. Actually, is is Hack still with Joey?
0: Yes. I mean, he's at least, I, so Heck doesn't post a a lot on social media, of like coaching and all that kind of stuff, and what he does as far as training goes, he just kind of, he is awesome with his dry humor, um, it's like his one line little fucking jokes he makes are fucking epic, but, uh, he kinda doesn't post as much as, say, Noriega and Orhi, where I don't think you know exactly what's going on with the programming part. No. Um a little bit more low key on that part, but all I know for horseman the podcast he's on yeah so so
1: that's that's kind of fun to watch because you got two kind of polar opposites, but both progressing at such incredible rates that it's still fun, even though they're almost non comparable because yeah you know, or he being tested. Bang untested and there's the differences in the rules in the USPA the differences in the rules and equipment specifications in the IPF they're a mm-hmm. lot different but these guys are still making incredible progress and and, and Russ coming from a bodybuilding background mm-hmm. he he has such a different upbringing that you wonder. I, I wonder if he would have started powerlifting when he started bodybuilding mm-hmm. how much farther along he would have been um, and how much closer he'd be to hack uh, with his total or moral decisions, mm-hmm. like hopping on gear. Um, yeah. it, it seems like nowadays that these big money meets are actually starting to garner and, and er, gather more and more attention mm-hmm. and and more eyes to it, and ultimately more money in the purse mm-hmm. to where we're seeing a trend of USAPL, mostly because a lot of people aren't going to travel cross country, uh, uh, across the sea to do a meet, unless you're Andre who wins everything except except this one. Yeah. Um, Yuri. It's been really fun to see a few of these IPF and USAPL guys come over here, maybe or maybe not, mm-hmm. um, make the switch. Um, whatever moral bridge they had to cross, or if they didn't even cross it, we don't know until mm-hmm. they specifically tell us. Like, good on hack for – I remember him telling everyone on his page that he – uh, he's not completely natural, and he started taking SARMs, and I'm not exactly sure how much farther he went with that, mm-hmm. but I, I say I say, fuck it. I mean, I, I want to see these guys be the best possible versions of themselves they can be yeah. as long as they're taking care of themselves, being healthy, just being smart and rational about it because um, I, w- I want to see them do better for longer.
0: Yeah, so, the for sure. It was
1: a very exciting time for that.
0: Yeah, and um, yeah, you know what? We're going to get to that, like, speaking point because you – and we I've actually gotten you proposing this argument and other people proposing this argument to me um, recently. But for the other highlights that happened at the the tribute, uh, Hack, again, I think that was my highlight as well. Just missing his first two squats. When I say, like, good moments in powerlifting meets, perfect days are always great. But when you miss attempts and then kind of kill it on your third, that to yeah. me is like a buzzer beater in basketball or a walk-off home run. It's like it's it's so – the pressure is so there that it's like, okay, I really got to hit depth. And squatting is probably the hardest, you know, lift to do that in. It's like it's it's probably the hardest lift throughout the entire competition. And the fact that it come back and hit it and that – I mean, if you would have bombed out of that meet, that would have been a – that would have been a disappointment to a lot of fans and a lot of people because a lot of people were tuning in the tribute to watch Hack, and Absolutely. with a really stacked roster, that's saying something. So he hits it and then has a incredible lifts throughout the day. I've always said, like as far as his lifts go, bench press, bench press is my favorite to watch because whenever I see a 181 pound man move 500 pounds, I am my dick gets so hard, it's amazing. <laughs> It is incredible. But I, he manipulates the weight. He he doesn't look like he's about to die, and he no, it, it mean, just defies all logic.
1: The con- the amount of control that he shows through every portion of the bench press, and obviously the the top end of the lockout is going to be kind of grindy for you know if you can get it at a point, it's going to be grindy for anyone who is attempting, uh, especially such a huge number. But yes, the way that Hack can control a bench press at 181 pounds mm-hmm. is incredible, yeah. and I, I mean, I know for a fact that when I was when I first started powerlifting, hearing someone anyone benching 500 at 181 was absolutely unheard of.
0: Unicorn, that's a unicorn. Not,
1: not, not there's there there. Malik Durston was probably the closest, um, and he may be the first if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that guy, and who knows where he's been? I hope it's just been taking time off, and hopefully, nothing like serious injury or. Like huge personal problems, because that guy was that guy was a John Hack and a Cody Blazik mm-hmm. before John Hack and Cody Blazik became John Hack and Cody Blazik. Yeah. And kind of fell off the wayside, but John and Cody really stepped up and are putting 181 on the map. And it seems like that's – 181 and 83 are just kind of blowing up right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. In, 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 in all federations.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of that is due to – I think a lot of powerlifters and people who work out hover at that weight of 170 through 200. Yeah, so it's like, cool. and it's perfectly in the middle where that's where a lot of powerlifters will fall into either through weight cut or naturally like me, where I'm like, where I'm like 177. And I'm at that yeah. point where I'm like, do I want to cut or stay at the same weight? But, yeah. uh, and I, I mentioned this with in the interview uh, prior was that just watching those guys just be 181 and me looking at Hack, I'm like... He, Oh, that's what 181 pounds looks like because he's yeah. fucking huge, and I'm very small. If if we sit next to each other and he's like, "Oh, we're in the same weight class," I would be like, "Well, that guy's a midget, and he could probably go to seven. He could go to 74 kilos because he's yeah. small as fuck." But I, I was like, "Oh, that's that's why, I, um, that, <laughs> that's why people call me small." <laughs> just a little good at those two guys, but There's also
1: just you to hack,
0: yeah. I mean, no one has ever compared me to Hack, but I've gotten uh, yeah. I, I, if someone ever compared me to Hack in the slightest, because I, I would I would need an extra squat to, oh yeah, to to beat I, him. I would need an extra opener to beat him.
1: It's it. I like you, you could you could give me three times three attempts at an overhead press. Add that to my total, and I would still have John's last warm up deadlift, um, total, um. He, he wouldn't even have to go to the platform for deadlift style, Total me. He would just pull 315 in the back room and yeah. be done.
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: Uh, guy's, but, insane. guy's insane. Guy's
0: The guy's a beast. Uh, I put him on my Mount Rushmore, and uh, Bane questioned me a little bit for it, and uh, now I think that he's going to be on a lot of people's Mount Rushmore for powerlifters because he's he, – he got a little bit of GOAT status, which is, I think, way too early in his powerlifting career for that because I think Eddie Cohen kind of takes that GOAT – with Agreed. as far as longevity goes, and just you know, it's, success over time, I think has to be discussed. But the fact that we're having a goat conversation means that this it, it's, it's sport is growing. Or at least with our community, it's growing. It's it's yeah. it's evolving.
1: I think here's here's going to be John Hack's goat lineup. He's got he's got the 181 sleeve record.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it'd be awesome if he just kept getting more intense with it and then went for the 181 wrapped world record then i think i think hack in his first 198 meet could easily take both the sleeve and wrap records his first sleeve meet at 198 and his first wrap meet at 198 Mm -hmm. i think he could take those both easily if you just no way cut or even if he bulked up to 210, 215 area and cut down to 198, whatever he wants to do. But I, I long story short, I think John Hack is unstoppable. And a, a healthy John Hack is unstoppable in the mm-hmm. sport of power right now.
0: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And some of the other highlights from the meet, uh, CC Holcomb, R uh, C yeah, um, CC Ingram, my mistake. Uh, yep. definitely want to call her CC C. Ingram. Um, CC yeah. C. Ingram, uh, it was great to see her on the platform again and fucking kill shit. Uh, it's always her lifts are powerful, and that's stupid to say because it's a powerlifting, and I regret saying that because it's such a fucking cliche. But it's such
1: a cop out, yeah, it's such
0: a some, dumb cop. You know, out. I, I really like. I just got so pissed off at myself right now for saying that, but I'm I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna try to get through it through wait, for the sake wait, of this interview.
1: I'll, I'll take away from that. I'll, I'll go to the mental game because CC being able to take her second attempt down and clip the rack and
0: mm-hmm.
1: ruin the lift. Like, not not that she ruined the lift, just the the, the freak accident. Yeah. You know, you get red lights because the, the lift was not completed in the fashion it is stated in the rule book. But to have the mental capacity and the mental strength to say, okay, I just lost. Yeah. I just flat out lost a whole attempt. I got to get it on the third. Yeah, I've got to... I, and, and what kind of what kind of what kind of game plan change do you make after? Because the six thirty nine on the third was nothing; it was a perfect second attempt. Yeah. But having that second attempt washed because of of a simple mistake, I wonder what kind of game plan changes that you have to implement that she had to mm-hmm. implement to get the best out of her meet that day was retaking six thirty nine on the third the right idea. I believe it was pretty close. I, I believe it was. Uh, a wrap for world record, so I, I, it, it seems like that that was going to be the go-to number whatsoever. But then, if she smoked it on the second, like she did the third, what were we? What would we look at? And what do? You, what would we possibly see? Uh, a, 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 from a, a strong, well-done third attempt from her, yeah. uh, I, I think six forty-four, six fifty-five is not out of question at all right now. So to see what she does at the next year's either U.S. Open or next year's Tribune is – this conversation is going to be so irrelevant. I feel like women – I feel like her and Mariana and Steffi are going to make Mariana, Steffi, and CeCe of 2018 and 2019 look absolute, absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to go up in incredible fashion.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, like, the thing with Cece is, I when I watch her lift, I notice, I, like, which I should realize this with other lifters, but her in particular, I just realize there's levels to this sport. And when she takes out a squat, it looks like she is every will of her body, every, like, little fiber is just trying to even maintain the weight. Because I know if I do that, if you start seeing my leg shake on squat, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Like I, I'm I'm done there and uh, no mean to brag, I think I'm a decent lifter. But I would I would be I would be done. Like I, I would get stapled. The fact oh, that she's yeah. able to maintain that form and technique the entire time, like, oh, there's levels. There's yeah. levels to I'm on I'm not on her level. <laughs> like it's like that is what like that's what great competitors do. She knows how to lift Better than ninety nine percent of this sport, like that's I, I for some reason it's, it's her in particular because I, I you know you know me I like the smooth lifts like the technically sound lifts and hers are but I like the smooth lifts like the aesthetically yeah. pleasing ones hers it's like it's it's a it's a battle from the walkout to the squat
1: absolutely and and those are sometimes the most exciting lifts because you watch people take. A, a shaky walkout, and then you just watch him bury it and come up like it was absolutely nothing. Uh, Andre Milanchev is a good example of that, where uh, though his walkout was pretty clean, but Andre Milanchev makes thousand pound squat look harder on the way down than they do on the way up. Yeah. And that that is baffling to me. And then another exciting part, especially about Cece and her training moving forward from this point, is her now working with Mariana's mm-hmm. husband and, and yeah. coach, and it's almost like the can't beat them, join them type yeah. deal, and especially where CC was coming from um, with her past relationship. Finding a new coach was the, the move anyway, mm-hmm. and, and I don't think that she could have found a better coach, and it obviously showed with an incredible perform- performance from both her and Mariana at the tribute this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I be- believe they matched Wilkes, so it was – Cool to see like their progress from the sport, and then they ended up matching Wilks just through that too. And I I believe because you spoke about this, and I talked about it with uh, Michael Cole DiPietro at the gym. Shout out, Mike, uh, about Mariana's weight cut it being quite intense, and she was three pounds over. Um, I I believe something. All right, so the post said something like uh, she was fighting. She decided. for her life, not for the number or something, or for performance. And uh, she translates everything, obviously. So I don't know if some things were lost in translation where I'm like, wait, were you close to, like, dying through this weight cut? Because I think for the U.S. Open, she dropped, like, 20, 25 pounds.
1: Yeah, because she, that, yeah, the U.S. Open, she shocked everybody um, by announcing she was not going to be competing at the 132 division that Mm -hmm. time. She was going to come down to 123 and face Steffi Cohen head-to-head, which had never happened before, and no one was expecting. Yeah. So obviously that first time going down to 123 went a lot smoother, but with that many months and that much time to grow even more and get even stronger, 123 might not be her space. I mm-hmm. think that she needs to corner 132 and then maybe move up to 148, mm-hmm. where she would already – have a, a, probably a top three
0: total at 148. Yep. Without. You. Yeah. So the, those were those two for at least for the female side were big highlights for me. Um, Kevin Oak also squatting a world record, easy nine for nine day I believe is all like mm. as far as a high like because I'm a high bar person. Um, having Austin Perkins on the show next week, he's a high bar guy too. I like high bar squats more. Hack is as well. Um, yeah. Like, I just like seeing them, but, the, like, he is one of the best squatters I think I've seen with high bar. He's brilliant. And he could and he low bar for fucking days, too.
1: Yeah, he, uh, he, and on top of it, you know, and I'm sure that there probably are more people that can do this, but at one point, Kevin posted about how he's the only guy that he's really seen, especially at the 242 range, that has ever. High bar, low bar, sumo, and conventional, squatted and deadlifted, 800 pounds.
0: Yeah, so, and, and, like, I did see that as well. Um, I'm not too surprised by that, only because he's one of those, like, he's one of the greatest the sports have ever seen. Like, Ed, Ed, Eddie Cohen could do, like, pretty much the same thing, and it's like, it makes sense. He's one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest. So, like, when you get in those outliers... Like they're not special. They're not specialists anymore. They're no. good at all three of those lifts, and they're yeah. like incredibly good on top of that.
1: Yeah, if you're not, if, if we're we're coming to a day and age where if you're not well rounded, good luck winning anything. Good mm. luck winning any big meet. You're not gonna. I mean, have fun with it still.
0: Yeah,
1: just going is a huge accomplishment. You should be proud of it. Yeah, but if you're not well rounded, you're not walking away with a paycheck.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk. Let's 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 really talk about like these kind of money meets and these these high level meets, because you messaged me and uh, you were gonna actually write a blog about this, but yeah. decided to bring it on the show instead. It's like, man, I could fucking. I mean, we got time. We got time to talk this out uh, through Facetime and through it on the show. So, th- yeah, just tell tell the people what you were thinking or like an argument or like a speaking point that you kind of want to get through as far as like the trend going into the tribute, the U S open, all these big money meets. All right.
1: Um, the tribute is, I'll start with that one because it's, it, it it just got really interesting, uh, as you know, but others might not how Matt and pioneer fit are stepping down from the face of the meet. Mm Um, um, and I, in my opinion, it's a smart move. Um, it's unfortunate that Matt and the Pioneer family have to kind of forfeit their place uh, at that, that kind of head of the household place. Um, but Matt's doing it for all the right reasons, it seems. You know, he, he doesn't want to be a company that is a direct competitor of other companies that could potentially donate obscene amounts of money um, mm-hmm. into in this meat that he's built. and. Created for the lifters with almost no profit um, at all. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, I, I hate saying the name because it's, I, I, I don't care about the company whatsoever. But Cardillo weight belts is probably—I mean—it has to be the biggest um, weightlifting belt company in the bodybuilding world. Mm-hmm. And you know, even though Pioneer Fit, it, it, it's the, the only reason it's the biggest company in the bodybuilding world is because people don't in the bodybuilding world don't know pioneer fit they don't know what pioneer fit is they don't know the pioneer cut mm-hmm. and, and, and hopefully someday they do because that honestly that that pioneer cuts really changed my life yeah it's changed my training but um, it's definitely made training a lot better.
0: Yeah, and, and by the way, people, this episode was not sponsored by Pioneer Fit. I just want to clarify no, that because we got a lot of, because <laughs> obviously, Brendan Franklin talking about Pioneer Fit. It's like we got a lot of good plugs for Pioneer today, but it's not it, sponsored. It, it, it would, it would love to be sponsored. Yeah, by Pioneer is, Fit, it, it, not it ruling is, it out, but
1: not really saying like cool.
0: <laughs> it's it's um, not though. We're yeah, being they deserve, genuine. Though.
1: They they deserve it. They 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 deserve a, any and all. <laughs> Um, spoken praise, any written praise, online tags, sharing it with your bodybuilding friends that don't know any better, get them a Pioneer belt. Or knee wraps, wrist wraps, everything. They got everything. T-shirts, wallets, dog collars. for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do everything. But the fact that I'm so willing to... It, it goes beyond me liking my belt. I've got two Pioneer Fit belts, and I love them. They're my yes. favorite belts, best ever owned. But it, it, it's the fact that I have no problem praising people who put more into this lifting community into the lifting community than others. Mm-hmm. And Matt Pioneer have done that, and I really hope whoever does take over the tribute continues pushing in the right direction uh, that they had that whatever their vision was. I hope that Matt still stays um, in some of the year over there because I think that they've done an incredible job these these posted it. And if Matt stepping down as the face means more or money into it I, I you know i'm happy for that decision because i just want to see powerlifting grow in any way possible mm-hmm. and money is just going to be the way to do that
0: yeah for sure so with kind of like what we're seeing with a as far as trends go with power lifters um and i, I propose this i think in prior episodes as well it's we're and also I actually want to say this before I get into my argument or and our or our arguments. Um, somebody put this on a Q and A of Do you see more lifters jumping on SARMs, jumping on anabolic steroids because it's a trendy thing to do? And I kind of answered them negatively because I'm I'm sick of getting questions for SARMs and PDs and us having an episode on it because I don't I can't give you guys a good episode on that. Like you yeah, we, people people assume that it's going to be a like a cool like expose on steroids, I'm like no, no, geez. no, no, we've had all this before, we've had all yeah, this before, guys, like and it's like it's going to be a drive boring conversations or a conversation with people. It's just not as entertaining as you think, but the argument this person was trying to make, and I'm gonna to apologize to them because I kind of answered them a little snarky was. The trend becoming being natty for a long time, being natty at when you're younger, being natty when you're in USAPL and IPF, and then using your USAPL IPF performances, all the all the progress you made through those federations, and then jumping on gear or hopping on different federations for those. Big time money meets, and just the publicity and the opportunity to move bigger numbers. Because USPA is not only a uh, non-drug tested, twenty-four hour weigh-ins, specialty bars. It's just it's it's a better venue to move bigger numbers.
1: Oh yeah, they they they, they they're creating an environment to benefit the lifter to the full potential. Um, meat directors are going out of the way to provide IV bags. Bath- legs lifters mm-hmm. um, at these big meetings who are going through extreme weight cuts to, the, I mean, uh, back to what you said about fighting for your life about a weight cut. I know that you don't really weight cut much but there are times where it does feel like, like, holy shit, like, am I going to die right now? Mm-hmm. Then you don't. And there there are, I've, I've read um, stories about people who are just like, they wake up throwing up blood. I, I cannot remember her name to save my life right now and it sucks that I can't because she has this very intense and and uh, scary story about how she was cutting weight for a meet and she had to stop, she was she she, she, she woke up throwing up blood everywhere, she mm-hmm. couldn't stop bleeding and throwing and she had to stop cutting weight, go to the hospital, take care of herself and sometimes those weight cuts, I've never experienced it I, I mean weight cuts suck and it, yeah. it's not fun but I've never experienced it to that kind of extent But yeah. you've, got, you've got people who are literally trying to Kill themselves in quotations, kill themselves, mm-hmm. and literally wasting the their bodies away in hopes of having a better Wilkes to yeah. win money, and, and you can't fault them for it because that's the sport. Um, but I, I'm so glad that that big meets and those meat directors are going the extra step to provide um proper. Re- rehydration uh for those that need it and i think that that's a bit i think that's a good step in the right direction because i'm not a big fan of the two-hour weigh-ins mm-hmm. because a lot of people i feel like a lot of people think that just because there's a two-hour weigh-in it's going to ward off a lot of those big cuts yeah and i've seen firsthand that that is not the case whatsoever they still try just as hard and they have 22 hours less to put that shit back on yeah and they either shit the bed on Every lift possible, mm-hmm. and they they don't even have close to the meat they want. So I think, in my personal opinion, the, the the way of the big meets, U.S. Open, big dogs, especially big dogs. Big, I cannot speak highly enough of that meat. Uh, Marcos, the meat director, and the the live stream that they do, it's one of the one of the best live streams I've ever watched for powerlifting, hands down, not even a question.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and um, I think that's the direction of powerlifting, and. I'm sorry for the natty boys like yeah. ourselves. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to be the best, you and 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 win big money, you're gonna like. Unless you are actually natty and strong enough to do it,
0: you're to yeah. Have to. Well, well, you're here's gonna have
1: to here's, cross a moral bridge here pretty yeah. soon.
0: Well, and you brought this up, and it, it's an interesting discussion to have. And I want to I forgot the person who uh, DM'd me this. I think his name is Victor bossi or at least that's his handle. Uh, thanks for kind of bringing this up, but. Like, there's still a venue for it. Like, so, USAP on IPF, you get a lot of, at least you get the recognition. At least you get the prestige. Um, you can use that as a platform to make money. Sponsorships. You can make it, You, you like, uh, coaching. You could use that to catapult your coaching career. You can use that. You can earn a living. You have to work, obviously. And guess what? If you win a big money meet, you're going to have to work still. It's not going to fucking pay the bills, man. It'll help you pay the bills, but not next year's bills. No. N- not the year after. It's like, it's only, no. it's, it's just, it's fun to have. Um, I'm just, I'm at this like point here where I'm almost considering the USAPL and IPF like your first stage. Because if you look at those guys, they're young. These guys are young. The, the cream of the cream of USAPL and IPF are young dudes. Like I'm old compared to them. Like, 26 years old, I was always considered the young guy of, like, things. And, like, even when I started at 23, like, oh, he's young still. It's like, yeah. dude, these guys are getting their start when they're, like, 17, 18. And they're killing it when they get to 20, 21 years old. So, and you get your fan base there. You get your IPF fan base. You get your USAPL fan base. And it's like, well, I want an IPF World Championship. I want a USAPL Championship. Let's just go and progress from the sport. Let's... Go somewhere else. Let's continuously go to USPA. I would probably be better there. Even, even if you take drugs out of the equation, if you have a twenty-four hour weight cut, like you said, I think a lot of these natural lifters will do a lot better. And you know, I I mentioned at the beginning of the show that, uh, or not the beginning of the show, beginning of this, um, you know, this portion of the podcast, Russ is a hype machine well-deserved high machine because he's a fucking beast, but imagine how much better he will be if he didn't have to have a two-hour weigh-in.
1: Yeah, and...
0: He, he could I, probably he could probably not use any story PEDs after he gets out of IPF and USAPL and be a fucking animal still.
1: Oh, 100%. And I think that's, that's kind of been my view of the USAPL and the IPF for the longest time is... And and to be honest, when I first started, I didn't really understand its appeal because all it seems like is, yeah, though it's you know one barbell, no drugs, uh-huh. same kilo plate, same judges, every lift out, everyone's judged exactly the same. I feel like that they put so many restrictions on what the lifters can do
0: uh-huh.
1: that that the lifters that are chasing this this dream of an IPF world championship uh-huh. or like or like I mean Ray's unstoppable. Yeah, yeah that, that's undeniable. but, but he, Ray and I had a conversation about this where he doesn't even think he'll ever switch because he is so invested mentally and emotionally invested in becoming uh, a part of the IPF Hall of Fame, and if I remember correctly, if he got inducted into the IPF Hall of Fame and... Then went to go pursue the money where the big money meets are the U.S. Open uh, and, and the tribute he that I that I.P.F. Hall of Fame um, induction will be completely revoked. Yeah. So to Ray, that prestige that mean, that prestige means so much to him that he's not even willing to think about possibly making thirty grand a year if mm-hmm. he could win the U.S. Open every year. And I mean, not saying that he could, but he definitely does have a good chance especially if he actually is drug-free and he does cross that moral bridge where he says, fuck it, I'm a super heavyweight, mm-hmm. I'm going to start taking drugs, and total 2,500 in sleeves, yeah. which he's already super close to.
0: And, and well, and also, like on top of that, and I think you mentioned this before uh, to me uh, through texting, is let's th- 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 even bring up legacy talk right now. I wrote a, blo- a blog on Kelly Mike O'Brien, bought up on the show, the dude tests hot. He busted drug tests. He, I mean, he was on, I don't know, like four different steroid metabolites. I'm not sure. Yeah. Four different steroid metabolites, and right now his legacy is ruined. I mean, fucking that week was Meme City. Oh, man. Subpar powerlifting was... memes, world's weakest meme, you, know, you name it, a meme page is on his ass about, you know, busting a drug test. Now, if he would have won IPF World Championship, which he, I, I mean, has he? At least in his weight no, class, right? But... In his weight class?
1: Yeah, I he... And Ray go directly. Okay, they're, they're both super, He's the best powerlifter Canada's ever produced. Okay, so
0: he's I, I, I guess he's, like the, a... he's the he's the the Hitman heart of fucking powerlifting. I don't know. Um, oh, that's actually a perfect example. Yeah, he's he's the Bret heart. I mean, he'll never be as good as Shawn Michaels, but he's Brett he's yeah. Brett the Hitman heart. So he's he's like the Canadian Ray Williams. Um, no, he's he's the Canadian Ray Williams his drug free goes. And then like if you would have just hopped to USPA if he would have just, oh, I, his legacy would be saved.
1: Within within one hour, Daniel, and, and Daniel Bell, and Dan's a funny guy, mm-hmm. uh, within an hour of of it being known that Kelly failed that drug test, Dan just flat out said, dude, fuck it. If you're gonna do it, do it right. Mm-hmm. Do more of it. Uh, I mean, a safe, a safe more yeah. of it than... But come wreck shop at Big yeah. at, at, at Meats. Because I, I can only imagine what a a, a big squatter like Kelly. Because you know Kelly is right around that. He he he's only ever missed. uh I mean his his last Arnold uh, trip two years ago because he couldn't go this year because of the rule change. The weird rule change where it was only uh, North America, like or America, U, United States. Mm-hmm. Just weird in general. And I think we saw this back when it happened. But he missed a thousand three on depth. So it's not like he, he it not it's not like he took it to the basement and he couldn't fucking get up with it. It's, mm-hmm. He just missed it on, on a rule. And that guy on mass amounts of drugs with a squat bar and uh, and maybe knee wraps if you wanted to go that route. Uh-huh. He, I mean, he could be knocking on on the door of a, of, of of a giant total. Or even you fuck the U.S. Open if if Kelly being a super heavyweight. I think the I think Kelly's next move should be. Accepting fault for what happened, yeah, and doing big dogs. But I think that that be a fantastic move for him, or he could potentially make a lot of money yeah. on a very big platform with literally physically the biggest
0: uh, powerlifters in the world. Yeah, well, I think he already fucked it up though. That's the thing. Look, I mean, it's not even that he fucked it up because he could still do this and win, right? It, it's not mm-hmm. that, but it's just it seemed like he really, honestly did care about his. Reputation of being a drug-free yeah. guy because he made that really long Instagram post, which, in, in all honesty, I did feel for him. Like I didn't that blog post that I made was not uh, tarnishing him. Was kind of like, you know, when you make four thousand different memes about him, like we're yeah. the small sport where we see all of this. But he, I definitely cared about his reputation, and he was either upset through guilt or upset through actual, like, how the fuck is getting my system, which I really don't buy that story, but that's a story and he's sticking with it, but he's already so, like, concerned with his reputation that, you know, if he goes and does the big dogs, if he goes and does these big meets, that will kind of always follow him. Where if he did the heck route, won your IPF Worlds, be this natural drug-tested lifter who is fucking killing everybody, and then going to a different venue... Or a different route, and then still killing it and getting even more prestigious and b- moving bigger numbers, your legacy is saved. Yeah. Like, and that's an, we, and and Joe so Sullivan talks about legacy, like the what you leave behind for the sport. That's big for a lot of powerlifters, and I and I understand why.
1: And I think I think the Prince is pack not failing a drug test. Yeah, and Cal- oh. Kelly and I, I've talked to Kelly a lot. um mostly through Instagram, Um, but he's a super nice dude, and I I really did feel for him, and I don't want anything that I'm saying to come off as attacking Kelly Brand. Super nice guy. yeah. Been nothing but nice to me. Super strong guy. I think that, you know, we'll never know exactly what he's thinking unless he completely decides to open up and share with us. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also makes you wonder if... And, you know, he's his own man. You know, the, he, he could be like, like Sean Doyle and not care about powerlifting. He just likes to powerlift. Uh-huh. Uh, but, if he, like you said, he did seem to care a lot about his reputation. Yeah. So I wonder how hard it is to be Canada's best powerlifter, but always be living in, in or not living, but lifting and raise shadow uh-huh. as, as your right competitor. And maybe he just kind of, you know, wanted it this to be his year, and he tried something different and got caught, and it wasn't exactly the way he wanted it to go. But regardless, he is going to catch a lot of flack for it yeah. because it, 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 whether he did it on purpose or an accident, the rules got broken. I just think that he should – I, I think he should move on to liter- bigger things, yeah. bigger and – in my opinion.
0: oh, yeah, abso- Well, absolutely, but, you know, I just – it's it's one of the like oh, well as far as what we're saying on two white lights is probably the nicest thing that have been said about him, uh, throughout yeah. light. So I mean if he ever gets a, if he has an issue with what we're saying, it's like you've heard of the other things right. It's pretty negative. I think we're actually yeah. giving you a pretty positive uh, spin on things. But well, it's like we we see this and and your legacy is not completely tarnished if you take steroids in a sport. It's not at all actually. Jesse Norris no, is no. one. The debate right now is Jesse Norris and Hack as far as, like, the most impressive performance. And really good debate that's being bought up through, you know, King of Lifts and other lifters, because I think Jesse Norris is, like, the OG lifter. Like, people, like, people were marveling over Jesse Norris before Hack.
1: Oh, uh, 100%. F. lifts
0: absolute beast uh, at a smaller weight class. I believe 198. He it did he yeah. b- competed at or 181 at a point, I believe
1: maybe and, and when uh, I got
0: into I the sport he was done when I got into yeah, the sport he was, he was, was done competing, competing.
1: and the, fu- the funny thing about that is I read one of the comments that hack made on his uh post about his last deadlift attempt. yeah uh he typically picked that number to try to match or slightly best Jesse's 2033 pound yeah. sleeve total at 198 which is still definitely the drug test 198 uh Sleeve total record, and it might be the all-time sleeve total record because I believe Ben Pollock did twenty thirty-nine, but in wraps mm-hmm. at one ninety-eight. So you're you're one hundred percent correct that Jesse was an absolute marvel before John, and it's incredible to know that Jesse was before John, and his record is still here after John. Mm-hmm. And like, and, and going back to what I said about the, the, the 4 Pete that I, I could see Hack making within the next few years. If he could wipe Jesse's name off the board, Ben's name off the board, it, wipe himself mm-hmm. off the board even further. I, 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 and I, John and Jesse are insane, and I just wish Jesse was still healthy and competing, because mm-hmm. John and Jesse would be an incredible matchup to, yeah. to, to witness
0: Oh, yeah, for sure, and I think it'll get pretty much every, like, section of the powerlifting community, in like, intrigued by it, because they're so fucking good.
1: And, and before you hit, before we were recording, how we were bantering before, the only thing that I could possibly see happening right now, because I don't see Jesse coming back from these back injuries, though I do hope every day that he does, um, would be if Russ, mm-hmm. like you were saying, now he's got his, he's got his world championship. Yeah. What's for Russ yeah I as a fan of powerlifting and as a fan of watching numbers be pushed to astronomical limits I, I would love to watch Russ follow in the footsteps of John Hack mm-hmm. um me, cross, like, I keep making this reference, but crossing that moral bridge yeah. and going head to head at 181 or even 198 at a yeah. big meet like Best Open or Boss of Bosses mm-hmm. or the Tribute, I think that that would be a matchup of a lifetime.
0: Well, yeah, and um, then and then you look at it, and I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but with Russ doing that, and then like that that kind of like speaks to the main argument. Should you consider that after you do what you need to do at IPF and USAPL? You do what you. You, you need to do drug tested in order to get to that level, because it seems like that's the trend right now, that's what it's moving under, and we're forgetting about another guy, fucking Ashton Roska, who's a young dude, murdering yeah. weight, and if I see that guy in USPA in a non-drug tested federation, I'll just be, oh shit, like things just got real, oh,
1: yeah. like, yep.
0: it, and he he's, how old is that guy? Oh
1: my god. Young,
0: younger than me, I know that
1: me yeah younger than both of us for sure and already making us wonder why we lift
0: yeah and and he does anyway he, he kind of like he almost he almost gives people a chance because he's setting records and gaining weight and trying mm-hmm. and being like 10 pounds under the like the the maximum at his weight class and still killing yeah. it so you see beasts, you see animals at usap and ipf and I think it's that young mentality is like, okay, I don't want to take steroids right now, I don't yeah. want to jump on PEDs, or I want to compete in this federation where I'm on an equal playing ground, which is fine. That's a perfectly good attitude to have. I'm on that attitude. Um, but with me, I'm even thinking about switching over to USPA and not even taking drugs. Oh, I just, I, mean, I, I just, want, I just want to go into oh. that federation. Well,
1: and, and and as someone who is competed USAPL and USPA, they uh, As simple and stupid as it may sound, there is just some sort of... <clears throat> there's a different level of fun and excitement for PA meets because of how different they are from USAPL meets, where you have a squat bar. You, the, the bench is pretty much almost exactly the exact same, but then deadlifting on a deadlift bar, squatting in wraps, it's... it's it, it, there's so many more options outside of the USAPL. Like I said, mm-hmm. I feel like the USAPL and the IPF does a really good job of making people feel proud and and and, and prestigious for accomplishing world championships and national championships as they should. But I feel like they're limiting the potential of a lot of lifters, and I think a lot of lift would thrive better on 24-hour lands, mm-hmm. squat bars, death bars, knee wraps, IV bags, drugs if they choose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and some will never know. Some we've seen make that transition, and, and it's been incredible for them. Yeah. So I'm really hope that more people follow that path.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think that's going to happen, too, is, like, I just don't. So, I mean, that would probably be my train of thought if I ever end up winning an IPF World Championship. It's like, why, like, unless, I mean, of course, if different opportunities arise, because we said also with Taylor Atwood, he's coming to 83 kilos he could just offer a different challenge for us. And, like, defending, you know, your total and that kind of stuff is, is all is all important and so really good for the sport. I'm just, yeah, just curious because you don't you don't ever want to be, you don't, I don't think, I think people's worst nightmare, as far as, like, being a really, really good power lifter, at least, like, you could hold on to something. If you end up testing hot, like Kelly M- Michael Brand did, that, like, will just, like, remove everything you did, because now people are going to assume that you're cheating the system the entire time. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess there's ways to play it, because Jesse Norris, people didn't care. He tested positive, he tested hot, and no one seemed to really give that m- much shit about it. Well, and you, I know it was a pre-workout or something.
1: Yeah, that one, Yeah, to be fair, it was just for stimulants, which is, the the fact that USAPL has rules about how much caffeine you can uh, have, and how, mm-hmm. much, how much ibuprofen you can take before me... And even the fact that they test for, I mean, well, they test under water protocol, so they do have to test for marijuana. Yeah. I just, I hate those three rules in general. I think those are the dumbest things ever. So if yeah. that's not more to switch to the USPA and other federations, you can smoke weed whenever you want. Um, and I i think the fact that, <laughs> I mean, the fact, I think, I think the fact that the US government limits that is the dumbest thing in the world. So yeah. the fact that a powerlifting federation limits it to, Makes me want to blow my brains out. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, for
0: sure. I mean, yeah. Frank Daddy offered me some at the end of the interview, so.
1: Oh, uh, dude. And I'm like, no, man.
0: USAPL can't do that. I never done it in me. my life. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's for all you um, listeners out there.
1: <laughs> one one great point, maybe not even a great point, but for me, it seemed like a great point because again, you and I are both natural, so we don't have that experience, that direct experience with uh, performance enhancing drugs. But the way that someone explained to me was. As a powerlifter, we want to do this first, of all, but we also want to continually make progress. And mm-hmm. naturally, some could argue that naturally you're going to be in it for the long haul, but not nearly make obviously not make nearly as uh, big of progress right off the jump when you start taking, uh, as opposed to staying natural. And you might not even meet reach your full potential as a natural. And the person explaining it to me why they decided to jump on performance enhancing and drugs was because the one, the one factor in this entire sport that we have, I mean, there are many that we don't, but the one factor that we definitely don't have any control over <clears throat> is time, and mm-hmm. uh, which confused me first. But then I, uh, and then he explained himself. In his mind, he, he saw it as a waste of time to stay natural when. Uh, with, with a few injections, start training at such a higher intensity and a higher frequency and gain more mass and add more pounds to their total so much faster than they would have at a natural level. Uh-huh. And again, with the drugs, you might reach a potential that you will never, ever, ever reach as a natural. Yeah. So in hit line, it was, let's get as strong as possible, as fast as possible, and let's keep going from there. Which makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. because by the time that I reach a total that I think is big, by the time I hit it, might not be big anymore mm-hmm. because people are just passing us up, yeah, by leaps and bounds.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well,
1: time enemy, it seems.
0: Yeah, for sure, and uh, yeah, really good speaking points, and you know that's probably going to do it for two white lights.
1: Oh, yeah, especially for a double feature. We have yeah, nice you know what?
0: Um, I'm probably going to say this now. Based on, we, this is going to be over two hours of content, so I might split this up into two parts. So you guys might be ah. listening to part oh. two, but both will be released on the same day. So back to back, you can do it. Yeah. But cool, man. thank you for coming on. It's always a pleasure oh. talking to you. You're definitely going to come on oh. again oh. because, like I said, pretty much part of Two White Lights at this point. We have Austin Perkins coming on Monday. Uh I interviewed him, I believe. Last week. Yeah. Or yeah. Last week and great interview with him. Awesome awesome lifter. Beast 74 kg 20 year old lifter. A really good interview with him coming on Monday. I'm the co-host for me known as Enzo and with me is
1: Matt Wallace.
0: Yes. We'll see you guys ta- next I week. I don't have a tech. Ta- <laughs> yeah, well it's Matt Wallace one forty eight, right? Well
1: yeah, Matt Wallace one forty eight on Instagram.
0: Yeah, i 'cause I'm I'm no time one time no time. one refers to me as a co host for me known as Enzo. Every, and like no time. one ever does. Ever. And I I, I didn't I even time. try to make it stick.
1: Well, I, I don't know. It might. Every time yeah. I try to reference my social media, I I like I'm pretty sure I end up losing followers.
0: Like
1: it's, every time, like, sometimes I'll just be like on Facebook, be like, "Hey, Facebook friends, um, I'm on Instagram, and if you could just go uh, follow my page and kind of like some of the videos I post, if you're into heavy lifting, that'd be cool." And I just I actually lose followers, yeah. and I'm like, "What the fuck? Why did I even do that?" Yeah, that.
0: That will do it, but like Bain even refers to himself as Instagram handle and a lot of people refer to themselves as an Instagram handle. I got referred to by my Instagram handle. It happened That's
1: how I that's how I walk through the Arnold Classic. If I see someone I know from on yeah. um, more likely than unless I like really admire you or we've talked in the past, I will most likely only remember you by your Instagram handle. So if it's some weird, dumb shit that doesn't even have anything to do with your name mm-hmm. and it, it's just like It was like name of your third dog and like your favorite food when you were in seventh grade. Yeah, I'm gonna call you by that, and I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. Well, this is the longest outro ever, but we'll see you guys next week. Huh? Yeah, we're still. I mean, I gotta. I I, I gotta say, we'll see you next week. Deuces. uh, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. See, See
1: you next week. Deuces.